Well, we, again, we have been working our way through this section of Scripture called the Beatitudes. Um, but to get things started this morning, l- let me ask this. Just by a show of hands, is there anybody here this morning who has ever done something that you are not proud of? Anybody who can relate with me here? You know, you did something and you now kind of look back on it and you say, what was I thinking? <laughs> right? Why, why in the world would I ever have done such a thing? Right? Everybody's with me on this, right? You know, like I, I remember there was this one time when I was still a little kid. I'm guessing I was like maybe in third grade, something like that. And there was a group of us kids hanging out. And one of the kids had something funny but pretty embarrassing happen to them. Okay, and so, of course, there's a, another group of us that are just razzing this kid, right? Just giving him a hard time because of that. You know, that, that's what third graders do, right? But then, before long, I remember things took a turn, and it got really mean-spirited, where now it was no longer fun. It was no longer funny. It's like we were bullying this poor kid, you know? And, and I was in on this. I mean, I, I don't know if I was, you know, just trying to be cool, trying to fit in or whatever, but I, I was tearing this poor kid down, right? And then I remember that one of my other friends actually stepped in and stopped us, where he's just like, hey, 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 enough. Let, leave him alone. How would you like it, right? And that was enough to shut us all up, right? And I remember walking away from that whole encounter feeling like such a jerk, you know, just, just feeling sick about it. I, I remember, you know, and then I also remember how much respect I had for the friend of mine who actually stepped in and stopped us, right? And, and I remember, like, it, picturing that if this was a scene in a movie, that I would have been one of the villains in this scene, but the friend who stepped in, it's like he was the hero, you know? And I remember walking away from that just feeling like, that's who I want to be. I want to be more like me. You know, and I, I think we all need moments like that in life, don't we? Moments that, that wake us up, moment, moments that challenge our assumptions, that cause us to recalibrate how we see the world, right? And that, at least in part, is what Jesus is doing as he's sharing all of these Beatitudes. Because as we've been talking about, what, what Jesus is doing throughout this section of Scripture is he's making all of these declarations that change the way that we see things, that change the way that we think about things. As Steve has been mentioning each week along the way here, the the word beatitude simply means blessing, right? Uh, Because what Jesus is doing throughout this section is he is declaring that certain groups of people are blessed, that certain groups of people are blessed by God. But if you remember, this is where Jesus keeps surprising us. He keeps shocking us time and time again because Jesus seems to be declaring the blessing of God on all the wrong people, right? If you remember that, like, instead of saying, blessed are the religious or or, or, blessed are those who are truly devoted to God, you know, blessed are those who have an abundance of the spirit because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What does Jesus say? He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the spiritual train wrecks because the kingdom of heaven actually belongs to them, right? And anybody listening to Jesus say that would have been like, what? What What did he just say? Right? Or, Or again, instead of saying, blessed are those whose life is going great, right? Blessed are those who always get everything you want. 
Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn, right? Blessed are those who endure great and devastating loss in this life, huh? Right, or he says, like, blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who choose to restrain themselves. Blessed are those who choose to hold their tongue, who, who choose to restrain the power they might have, right? Because they will inherit the earth. I mean, it's, it's all backwards, right? And instead of this world belonging to the go-getters, instead of this world belonging to those who claw after everything they get, it's like Jesus says, no, it, it, it belongs to the pure in heart. It belongs to the merciful. It, it, it's all just completely backwards. And what we're going to see now in this next beatitude is Jesus actually takes things one step further that wakes us up at a whole new level. And so look, look at what Jesus says now. We're now in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 9 where Jesus says this. He says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Okay, now, to recapture the punch of this, we first have to remind ourselves, who is Jesus speaking to here? Who, who is Jesus' audience? Do we know? It, it's, it's the Jews. It's the people of Israel, right? And who would the people of Israel have assumed the children of God are? You know, like if you were to go through the Old Testament scriptures trying to identify who the children of God are, what conclusion would you come to pretty much right away? To the Jews, right? The, the Jews are God's people. The people of Israel are God's children, right? And, and so they would have said, blessed are the Jews, for they are the children of God, right? Or, or in the same way, if I were to ask us today who we think the children of God are, what would we likely say? Once again, it, that's us, right? It's the church. It's believers, right? And so if we were to construct this blessing, if we were to fill in the blank correctly here, what would we say? We'd say, well, blessed are the church people, right? Blessed are those who believe in Jesus, for they are the children of God. But again, this is where Jesus refuses just to fall in line with our assumptions, right? This is where Jesus wakes us up yet again by saying something actually quite different. Because Jesus doesn't say, blessed are the Jews, for they are the children of God, nor does Jesus say, blessed is the church, or blessed are the quote-unquote believers, for they are the children of God. What, what does Jesus say? He says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they are the children of God. Now, this raises the next question for us, which is, well, what does it mean to be a peacemaker? Right? Like, is this just about the guy who steps in to stop somebody else from getting bullied? Is, is that what we're talking about here? And Yes, I mean, as we get into this, we'll see that that's definitely part of what it means to be a peacemaker, okay? But actually, this idea of being a peacemaker is way, way bigger than just that, okay? Because while we tend to think that peacemaking is primarily about helping people to get along, you know, like it's about resolving personal conflicts and that kind of thing, to fully understand this idea of being a peacemaker we first have to go back to the Jewish idea of peace and ask, well, what is peace? Okay, and this is something we've discussed numerous times here at Eagle Brook before, and so hopefully this will sound at least somewhat familiar to many of us here, okay? But the Jewish idea of peace goes back to this Jewish, or this Jewish word shalom, right? And, and does that ring any bells to anybody? You know where I'm going with this? Okay, because in the Bible... 
this idea of peace or the Jewish idea of shalom is not just about things being peaceful, you know, where, where things are quiet or things are calm, nor is it just about the absence of violence or the absence of conflict, right? Because we tend to think that if we are not at war with another nation, well, that means that we are at peace with them, right? Because we're not fighting, right? But, but the biblical idea of peace, this Jewish idea of shalom, is actually way bigger than just that. Because shalom is about everything being exactly as it should be. Okay, it has to do with all things fulfilling their purpose. It's this idea of wholeness and a world that is set right. Okay, and so this would include our relationships, right? Our relationship with God and our relationships with one another. But again, not just peaceful relationships in the sense that we're not fighting at the moment. You know, that we're somehow able to tolerate each other just a little bit better for the time being. But no, peace in the sense of this Jewish idea of shalom, where each and every relationship is everything that it's supposed to be, where every relationship thrives in every possible way. Okay? So this is about relationships. But then this extends even beyond our relationships because this Jewish idea of shalom is actually about all of creation. Okay? Where the idea is there would be no more sickness. There would be no more pain. There would be no more heartache. There would be no more injustice. There would be no more tragedy. It's like this is where death itself would be no more. Where all things would be perfectly in tune with who God is. It would be like going back to how things originally were in the Garden of Eden, but actually even one step further than that. Okay, again, this this is where all things are exactly as they should be. Okay, so that is shalom. That that's what it means for there to be peace. Okay? But we all know that this world is not as it should be. Right? We all know that we are not currently experiencing the perfection of this Jewish idea of shalom. Because there is tragedy. There is heartache. There is pain. There is death. And even our relationships to one another are far from perfect as well. Okay? But then this is where peacemaking comes into the picture, okay? Because things are not as they they should be, because things are not at peace, well, something needs to be done in order to make that peace, to restore that peace. And so being a peacemaker, at its core, it's about setting things right. It's about getting things back on track. It's about restoring things to how they're supposed to. Okay, and so if a relationship is broken, if a relationship is not what it should be, again, peacemaking would be about bringing about reconciliation, right? Or if there is injustice or some tragedy happens in this world, peacemaking would be about setting that right. You know, where there's heartache or loss, peacemaking would be stepping in to restore that. It's, It's wherever things are wrong, wherever things are not as they should be, peacemaking is about stepping in and doing something to set that right. Okay? And so the first thing that we need to realize, which brings us to our first point for the morning, is that peacemaking at its core is a divine work. Okay? Because peacemaking is exactly the kind of thing we see God do. Okay? Like if you were to go through the whole story of the Bible, beginning in the Old Testament, we see all kinds of examples 
of God stepping in, of God intervening to set things right, right? Or where he, he rescues his people out of their slavery in Egypt, right? And then as they're going through the wilderness, when they are hungry, what does he do? He provides food. When they're thirsty, what does he do? He provides water, right? And then he gives them all kinds of guidance and, and instruction as far as how to live as a society, how to live in justice, that they need to provide for the, the widow and the orphan and so on, right? And then as we come into the New Testament and we look at Jesus, once again, we see Jesus doing all kinds of things to set things right, where Jesus feeds the hungry, Jesus heals the sick. Right? Jesus, he, he mends the brokenhearted, he preaches good news to the poor, on and on it goes. Again, wherever things are not as they should be, wherever there is something wrong, Jesus steps in and does something to set that right. You know, and this even includes the work of the cross itself. Because we have to remember that at its core, what the cross is about is, it's about reconciliation. Right? The cross is about dealing with our sin once and for all in order to restore our relationship with God. Right? And then in the same way, the resurrection that soon follows after the cross. Again, that's also about setting things right. The resurrection is about overcoming the problem of death. It, it undoes death. Right? And, and so this is where the idea is that through Jesus, God's intent is to restore the fullness of his shalom to the very ends of the earth, throughout all of creation, to restore his perfect peace. Like, um, look at this passage written to uh, the, the Colossians. This is uh, Paul's letter to the Colossians, chapter 1, starting at verse 19. And speaking about Jesus here, the Apostle Paul says, For in him, in Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him, God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. Right? And, and so again, through Jesus, God, God is setting all things right. He's reconciling all things to himself. And how does God do this? By making peace through the blood of his cross. Right? And, and so you see the idea here. God himself is making peace. God himself is a peacemaker. And while we're, while we're not there yet, while this world is obviously still broken, setting all things right through the finished work of the cross is where all things are ultimately headed, right? Like if you jump to the very end of our story, this is what we see. This is how our story ends. This is the very end of the Bible, the very end of the book of Revelation, chapter 21. And here, the declaration that gets made is, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. Again, relationship restored. Right? And, and then it says, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death. There'll be no more mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Right? And so in the end, God will restore his shalom throughout all of creation. Every relationship will be restored. All pain will be eliminated. Every tear will be wiped away. And even death itself will be no more. So that's what God is up to. 
right? That, that is what God is seeking to accomplish in this world. But now, n- now we come to us, right? Because when Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God, well, Jesus is clearly inviting us to participate in this divine work of peacemaking, right? And this brings us to point number two, which is to be a peacemaker is to do what God does, okay? Or another way we, we might say it is, is to participate in the process of peacemaking is to look like God, okay? Because notice, Jesus doesn't simply say, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called people of God. Nor does he say, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the servants of God. What does Jesus say? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And so this isn't just about us being his people. This isn't just about us being some kind of a servant, obedient servants to God. This this is about family. This is about us being his children. Because the thing that sets children apart is not only are they family, but it's like there's also a family resemblance. Right? It's like children tend to look like their parents. And so Jesus, Jesus is saying that peacemakers will be called children of God. Why? Well, because they're the ones who look like God. They're the ones who are actually doing the kinds of things that God does. It's like when you are participating in this peacemaking thing, that is when you look like God himself. Okay, we can see this exact same idea come through in this passage from the Gospel of Luke. Uh, This is Luke chapter 6, and Jesus is giving us these instructions, where he says, Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. Right? But love your enemies and do good to them. Right? Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High. And there it is again. You will be children of God. Why? Because this is exactly what God is like. You will be children of the Most High because He is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Right? And so if we're children of God, the idea here is we're supposed to look like God. Right? We're supposed to be doing the kinds of things that God does. And what is God like? What is God doing? Well, first off, what we see here is God is kind to absolutely everyone. Right? And so we are called to love because that's what God does. We are called to be merciful and to forgive because that is what God is like. We are called to bless and do good even to those who are against us, even to those who oppose us. Why? Because that's exactly what God does. And if nobody is outside the scope of God's love, then if we're his children, nobody should be outside the scope of our love either. That, that's the idea. Right? And so... If you're ever wondering how you should respond in any given situation, right? Because we live in complicated times, right? I mean, there are all kinds of issues that we're being confronted with day in and day out. There's all kinds of cultural shifts happening in our world right now. There's all kinds of, like, political battles where you might find yourself landing firmly 
on one side or the other of these issues, right? But if you're ever wondering how you should respond in any of those kinds of situations where it seems like there actually is a person or maybe a whole group of people that is against you, who seems to be opposed to your point of view. They may very well be your enemy, right? Because they they might hate you, they might curse you, they might want to mistreat you, right? But even there, if, if you're wondering how you should respond in those kinds of situations, well, here it is. As hard as this might be, as crazy as this might sound, this is what it's supposed to look like if we're part of God's family, right? And so how are we to respond to those who have very different political opinions than we do, who who vote differently than we do, and we can't even begin to understand why, right? How are we to respond to those who have different, very different views when it comes to morality, or when it comes to sexuality, or when it comes to gender identity, or all these issues that are in our world today? How are we supposed to respond to those who have very different religious beliefs than we do? They're of a different faith entirely, or maybe they have no faith at all. Right? Or how are we to respond to those with very different cultural backgrounds that we maybe don't understand? Maybe they, they come from another country. Maybe they don't even speak our language that well. Maybe they're even in our country illegally. Right? I mean, as God's children, how are we, how are we supposed to respond to any of these issues? Well, if we truly want to look like God, if we truly want to reflect our Father in heaven, we will respond with kindness. We will respond with blessing. We will respond with love. Right? And so if, if you want to hate those who hate us, right? And there's a lot of hate in our, in our country right now, right? But if you want to hate those who hate us, we, we can do that. Right? We can embrace that mindset. We can post all kinds of ugly and demeaning stuff online. We can keep spreading the hate and reinforcing those divisions. But that's not what the children of God are supposed to you know, and so the real question is, again, who, who do we want to look like? What kind of person do we want to be in the world? Because like, like, when Jesus did this, when Jesus demonstrated this kind of love, I mean, he frequently got himself into all kinds of trouble, didn't he? I mean, th- there's no denying that the religious crowd in Jesus' day was not happy when Jesus seemed to embrace the sinner rather than condemn them. Right? And in the same way as Christians today, I know it's so, it's so easy for us, it's so natural for us to want to fight fire with fire. Right? I mean, we want to condemn everything that we're against. We want to take a stand. We want to point out all the things that are desperately wrong in our world. Right? And to be sure, there is a place and time for us to take a stand. Okay? But I think we always need to remember to at least ask the question, of when we do what we do, when we say what we say, when we take the stands that we do, when we respond, who do we look like? Who do we reflect? Is there a family resemblance? Do we look like Jesus? Do we look like the God that Jesus is describing here? Or do we often end up looking more like the Pharisees? You know, do we look like Jesus Or do we end up looking and sounding way more like the religious crowd that condemned Jesus? That's the question for us. All right? All right. So, peacemaking is about setting things right. 
wherever things are wrong, wherever things are not as they should be, peacemaking is about stepping in and doing something to set that right. And this is a work that God does. This is a work that God is doing. And this is a work that we, as his children, are called to be a part of as well. Right? But the last thing that I want to touch on here, just real quick, has to do with the scope of this work. Okay? Because like we said, when it comes to God, the scope of this is huge, right? We're, we're talking about uh, all of creation. It extends to the ends of the earth. God wants to reconcile all things to himself and so on. And so what I'm hoping that a discussion like this about the vast scope of God's shalom, what I hope that this begins to do for you is that it would begin to open you up to all of the countless ways that you can participate in what God is doing in the world. Okay, and that brings us to point number three, which is to say being a peacemaker is about all of life. Okay, it's not just about church stuff. It's not just about being religious. It's about all of life, everywhere we go. Okay, now, before I dig into that a little bit deeper, let me say first off that, of course, being a peacemaker would still include the essential task of something like evangelism. Right? And finding ways to share our faith with others that they might come to know Jesus for themselves. Right? I mean, sharing the good news about Jesus to help somebody to be reconciled to God is obviously a wonderful way for us to be a peacemaker in this world. That is setting things right, no doubt about it. Okay? We, we can see this come through in a passage like this one from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, where the Apostle Paul starts out by saying, If anyone is in Christ... He's a new creation, right? The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Again, and notice how this is all new creation language here, right? This is language of, of restoration, language of setting things right. You know, and then he, he continues in verse 18 saying, all of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are to be ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making his appeal through us. And, and what is our appeal? We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And so, and so this is where peacemaking begins. It begins in our being reconciled to God ourselves. And then it has to do with us going out into the world with this message of reconciliation, where we get to declare to everyone, everywhere, that God is no longer counting your sins against you, right? And so you can freely be reconciled to God because there is no longer anything in the way, right? And so if there's anybody here this morning who maybe needs to hear this good news or maybe who needs to be reminded of this good news, let me say it again straight out. That because of what Jesus has already done on our behalf, God is no longer counting your sins against you. It's all taken care of. Forgiveness is, is done. End of story. And so again, if there's, if there's anybody here who feels distant from God, if there's anybody here who feels cut off from God, if there's anybody here who feels like they, they can't really allow God to come too close, they can't allow God to be a part of their life because you've failed way too many times, 
or because you've made way too many mistakes. You're, you're saying, God, God can't possibly love me, right? He can't possibly be a part of my life. Again, may you hear, hear the good news here, that God is not holding any of that against you, that, that through Jesus, it's all already taken care of. You can freely come. And so whatever guilt you might be feeling, whatever shame you might be carrying around, whatever mistakes you've made, whatever junk you might be dealing with, God says, put it all down. Come. Freely come. God's arms are wide open to every single one of us. All we need to do is come. And when we do, there's a whole new way of life, a whole fresh start that's waiting for us. So that's where peacemaking begins, right? In being reconciled to God. But, but peacemaking also extends way, way, way beyond that, right? Because think about it. If peacemaking, if what it really means to be a child of God is, is primarily about responding to whenever we see something that is not as it should be, if peacemaking is about stepping in to do something to set things right, then again, think about all of the countless ways of your everyday life that this can begin to touch. Because this is about everything we do. This is about everywhere we go. This is about every single person we might come into contact with. Or like, think of something as simple as stopping in town just to pick up a few groceries. Okay? I mean, peacemaking is about all of the countless ways that these kinds of ideas that others might be on your radar. Right? Where maybe you might start by deliberately taking a parking spot that's a little bit further away from the front door where you leave some of the closer parking spots open for somebody who might not have as easy of a time walking to the front door and those long distances than you do. All of a sudden, you can create a little bit of shalom in somebody's life that way, right? Or as you're shopping, maybe you could allow that person who is clearly in a frantic hurry Maybe you could, you could just allow them to, to go down the aisle before you, right? You don't, you don't need to fight for position. You can just give it over to them, right? Because who knows what they might be going through, right? Maybe they're in a frantic hurry for a reason. And even if they're not, even if they're just being selfish and rude, you can still just give it to them because you can be kind even to the ungrateful, just like our Father in heaven. You know, or if you're tall like me, you've got a bit of a height advantage over others, maybe you can specifically be on the lookout for somebody who might need some help getting something down from a high shelf, right? Or as you head towards the checkout, maybe you could be intentional about showing some extra kindness to the checkout person, right? Who might not always be enjoying their job. It might not always be easy, right? And so you can intentionally try to make their day a little bit better instead of expecting them to make your day a little bit better by being quick about it, right? You know, and then, even as you head out to the, to the parking lot, out to the car, there's even more, more examples, right? I mean, you can help somebody get their groceries into their car. Maybe somebody's lifting something heavy. Maybe as you return a cart, you could return somebody else's. Maybe you could even grab a couple of strays just to get them out of the way for everybody else. You can restore just a little bit of order, a little bit of shalom into God's world in all these countless ways, right? I mean, do you see all the opportunities that might exist if you're actually looking for them? You know, and this is just a quick stop for some groceries. I mean, imagine what you could do with the rest of your day, 
right? You know, I mean, imagine if, if the impact you could have if you saw every interaction, every person, every task on your to-do list as an opportunity to be a peacemaker in this world. Right? And I know that these are small, even silly examples, but that's the point. The show is that this is about all of life, right? That, that the way that we live, even when it comes to the small stuff, that the way that we live, maybe especially when it comes to the small stuff, that all of it matters. Right? In fact, th- this is how the Apostle Paul actually concludes most of his letters. You know, Paul is a guy who, again, he always wants us to know and to embrace the truth, right? He always wants us to press in deeper to the truth of the gospel and the truth of who Jesus is. But Paul always seems to conclude his very important instructions with statements like this. These are the kinds of things that Paul always wants to leave us with, because it's like, this is what living the life actually looks like. He says things like, Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. And make the most of every opportunity. Isn't that what we've just been talking about? And he says, and let your words always be full of grace. I mean, imagine imagine if we just did that. Right? And then he tells us, you know, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. Try that one on yourselves. Right? A quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands so that your daily life might win the respect not of other religious people, that you might win the respect of outsiders. Again, do you see how all the little stuff matters? Right? Or he says, live in harmony with one another. Don't be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Don't be conceited, and do not repay anyone evil for evil. How easy do we fall into that trap? Right? But be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And then finally he says, and let your gentleness be evident to all. Again, notice, he doesn't say let your religious convictions be evident to all. He doesn't say let, let your political views be evident to all. He says let your gentleness be evident to all. I mean, th- this is how we are to live if we're going to be peacemakers in this world, if, if we're going to restore bits of God's shalom into this world. And so, again, may this idea of peacemaking and restoring God's shalom, may this recalibrate how you see others, may it recalibrate how you see the world around you, and may it give you a whole new understanding of your own role in this world. May we have a greater understanding of what God is constantly up to in this world, and may we have a greater understanding of what we are called to be and what we are called to do as God's children. May we see that, again, every interaction, every act of kindness, every act of forgiveness, that everywhere we go has the potential to be an opportunity for us to participate in what God is doing in the world to restore his peace. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who step in to do something in order to set things right in this world, for they will be called children of God. Amen? All right, well, please stand as I close us in a brief word of prayer. And um, as I, I know we got to get to our meeting here, but as I close this in prayer, I think the first thing that I want to do here is just to take a quick moment to pray on behalf of those who maybe do feel the need, do feel the desire to be reconciled to God. You know, maybe you feel like you, 
God can't be a part of your life because of your many failures or whatever. Or maybe there are some here this morning who would consider themselves to be Christians. They would consider themselves to be followers of Jesus. But again, they feel like there is some kind of a barrier between them and God right now. And they just, they need that relationship restored. And so I'm going to start by praying for those who might be in that sort of situation. And for the rest of us, if you would just pray along with me on behalf of those, that would be great. Father God, may we remember that the whole reason that Jesus came was to make you known to us, Lord. The whole reason that Jesus came was to remove every barrier, to eliminate every obstacle that might keep us from you, Lord. And so may everybody here this morning know that their sin has been dealt with. May they know that there is nothing, nothing, nothing that is keeping them from you, Lord. May they, may they freely come to be reconciled. And so for those who have that, that need, that have that desire, may they pray these words along with me this morning. May they say, Lord, I want to know you. Lord, I, I want you in my life. Draw near to me, Lord. I, I know I've made mistakes. I know I'm not perfect, but I trust the good news that you love me anyway. I trust the good news that you love me more than I could possibly ever know. I trust the good news that there is nothing in the way. And so, Lord, may we begin a relationship today. Or may we renew our relationship today. Help, help me, Lord. I want you in my life. I want to know you more. I want to follow Jesus. And for those of us who are already on this journey with you, Lord, again, may we simply see the full scope of what it means to be a peacemaker. May we understand the full invitation of what it means to be a child of God. May we, may we be a source of your goodness. May we be a source of your renewal. May we be a source of your shalom wherever we go and in all we do. Help us to catch a vision to live as your children in this world. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And thank you all so much. Again, if you prayed that prayer this morning to be reconciled to God or to, to restore your relationship with God, and you, you just you want some help or guidance, you know, or if you're just getting started on this journey, please feel free to come talk to me. Feel free to talk to Pastor Steve. Or, again, at the very least, be sure to connect with somebody here this morning that you feel comfortable with because I know we would all love to help you in your journey. Amen?